the Recovery Revolution will be podcast on the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Network. This is the Unruffled Podcast, Episode 72. This is a podcast about recovery through creativity. We live an intentional life. We thrive. I am Sandra Primo. And I'm Tammy Salas. And we are The Unruffled. Hey, Sandra. Good morning, Tammy. How are you? I'm good. I am... I am doing things a little differently this morning, although you cannot see me. You do not know this, but I am up, showered, dressed. I have makeup on. Like, Yeah, I know. My son and I. I, Well, my son and I are taking a little road trip right after we record this. And uh, so I'm I'm like ready to bolt out the door. Where where are you going? (laughs) Where are you guys going? We're just driving out to the Texas Hill Country. Um. It's about a two-hour drive, maybe a little bit less. We're going to um, hit some thrift stores, and we're Ooh. very excited about that. Oh, uh, I'm jealous. Right? little country thrifting is always good. Um, we are going to have lunch with uh, my son's grandparents. And, and listen to this. This is so cool. Um, a listener reached out to me. Wanting a custom project, um, wanted me to, or inquiring about a work on a custom project. And after we exchanged some information, I realized she lives in the town that we're going to. <laughs> and oh. So, I know. So she was going to mail me all of this fabric. And I said, you won't believe this, but we're coming to your town uh, this week. And so we're going to meet up and she's going to give me her fabric. How for- awesome. I know, isn't that funny? <laughs> I love it. I, I know. Love it. I oh, know. and what, and what is, she, is it like a kimono or like a dress? No, or? it's like a, she actually wants an apron. So Aww. she, um, I, I can't remember the story about her fabric, but she sourced it from like overseas, I think, or so in one of her travels. And um, it, you know, it's really special. And Aww. so she wants an apron. And so I'm excited about that. And, yeah, so that's going to have a day. Very nice. Very nice. And you and your son, that's great. That's great. I used to love thrifting with my son. He's not so into uh-huh. it. He's not so into it anymore with me, but I I thought used to be one of my favorite things too. Really? See, Max yeah. is like he's really he's really into it. He only wants to wear vintage uh-huh. shirts and vintage uh like Hawaiian shirts. That's his look right now. <laughs> I wonder where he got that from. I don't even know who he got that from. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> apple tree <laughs> right not far at all not far at all oh that sounds like a lovely day that sounds yeah. great um okay. i uh, i wanted to tell you i went this last weekend to a little workshop in um the berkeley area with a a book editor named bridget watson Payne, and she is the art director, art editor at Chronicle Books. Like she's done like Lisa Congdon's books and Uh Ray Dunn, who I really admire and a couple of other, you know, artists that I think are fabulous. 
And um, I was going to this, I, I know you know a little bit of the story, but for the listeners, like I was going to this thing, I was all set up, I get really anxious about traveling. So like I got up at like 530 in the morning, the workshops at noon, I'm, I'm good, right? I'm going to do all these things, I'm going to get ready, I'm going to be there early. I even set a coffee date to meet somebody to, to before the before the workshop because I was just I was so on it, and I was um, <laughs> I was texting with a friend who's taking the class with me, one, another sober sister, and um, I'm like, see you at twelve, and, and this is at like nine o'clock in the morning, and she's like, y- you mean ten? I'm like, no, I mean twelve, <laughs> and she was like, the class is at ten. Oh my God. I freaked the F out. I was like, but luckily my car was packed. Like I I was delivering artwork to this person that had bought it from me, this sober sister who told me about the time. And I'm like, I was physically ready. So I went, had to cancel my coffee date with the other gal, but I got there like right on time and I didn't freak out too much. So it was like a good, like I had, I was prepared but the class, the workshop, Sandra, I got to send you all my notes. It, it was like, it's geared for creatives. Like, it's not just about submitting a book proposal, like a regular book proposal. It was for creatives. And so, you know, she's got pink hair. No, she has rose gold hair like you, which mm-hmm. made me just love her immediately. And um, really a great guideline for creatives and how to submit um, a creative book proposal. And the, nice. mar- the market that, that is the least saturated is the market that my book would fit into that I want to pitch. Um, and that's the guided journals um, department. And nice. so that, that's what they call it. So I got super excited. Um, and on my way to the um, to the workshop, I was talking on the phone with Tiffany Hahn. And Tiffany was like, you have to give her your one of your gratitude guides. Do you have one with you? And I just... I just had one printed up that looks like a real book, like it has an ISBN number, like it looks like the real deal, these these prototypes mm-hmm. I've been working on. And um, I'm like, I can't, I go, I think that's inappropriate. Like, I would rather, much rather mail this to her in a package with a note. And she's That like, she will never open. <laughs> that will go on the pile of other things that have been mailed to her. Okay, you and Tiffany are, yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, I go, well, she's like, just tell her I dared you. Because Tiffany is working with her too, and I said, "I if it's if it's appropriate, I'll do that, Tiffany. Otherwise, I am not doing that." Well, it was appropriate. She likes a creative pitch. She wants you to mail her something funky. She wants catch my eye. She's like visually catch my eye. If you send me an email, that's like one thing. But if you make it creative and you're a creative, I I want to see it. Right. So I was like, oh shit. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. I said, this isn't the book I want to pitch, but this is an idea of a little something that I'm doing. And here you go. (laughs) And I said, Tiffany Hahn dared me to give that to you. (laughs) And she's like, she would. I love that lady. And she's like, thank you. She's like, that was the right thing to do. Awesome. Oh, okay. So then I came home super pumped. So, so I'm working on a book pitch and a book proposal and putting it all together. And so I'm very, very excited. That's what I'm doing this week. Well, we should probably get chatting with our guests because I'm very excited. Um, So this is our Sober Sister Summer Series. And Mm -hmm. we're chatting with women. (laughs) We 
we're recording just a few more. We're almost to the end of our Summer Sister Sober series. Yeah, almost. And so we are chatting with women that we know and admire, and they make sobriety look really, really good. And um, this one is no exception. So um, go ahead. um, Yeah. So today we're talking to our friend Lara Frazier. Lara is a speaker and truth teller, a sobriety warrior, an innovator, and a writer. She is a fierce believer in the power of owning our stories and is a strong advocate for addiction recovery. Lara shares a story of healing and sobriety through addiction and life and love and in all the other big, huge moments of fear and magic that we rarely talk about, but we should. Lara um, lives in Tampa, in the Tampa Bay area with her pig Peaches and her partner, Austin Cooper, the founder of Sober Evolution. She enjoys writing, working out, creating, dreaming, advocating, and storytelling. Lara is well known in the digital recovery space as an innovator, speaker, writer, and influencer. And her work has been featured in publications such as the Huffington Post, Glamour, AddictionUnscripted.com, and Work at Health. Welcome, Lara. Hi, sisters. Hi, Lara. Hi. I'm so happy to talk to you today. Hello. I'm really, really happy to talk to the both of you, too. This series has been so great to chat with our girlfriends and, like, people that we've met through this journey, and it's been really cool. So thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for asking me. Yeah. So so we've just told our listeners you're in the Tampa Bay area. How long have you been there, Lara? Um, I moved to this area. I've lived here um, about a year and four months now. Wow. It's already been that long. I know. Isn't that crazy? It is. Well, we're going to get to that story, too, about how what, what got you there. Um, but, okay. we, but we thought it'd be fun, like, at the beginning, we've been asking um, our guests, like, to um, tell the listeners, since we know how we met, but maybe sharing with the listeners how we met. Do you remember how we met? Um, yeah, yeah. I, I do. <laughs> um, definitely the first time in person I remember how we met. <laughs> That's right. But, right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, let's tell. Um, yeah, so I um, had was a, a follower of um, Laura McCowan and Holly Whitaker. And they had, um, I think they had recently started their podcast and they um, had a secret uh, Facebook group for women. And so I, I found the both of you in there. And I think um, I knew Sandra Moore from that group. But then, Tammy, you and I also connected further um, through Hip Sobriety School. That's right. That's right. Yes. And so I am. And then I can't even remember when that was. What was that like? uh, It was probably a year and nine months ago when we all met up in Texas. Right. Oh, yeah. It was in in November. So, yeah. So, so almost two years ago. Yeah. 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 And so that's when I, um, I mean, that's the first and only time, Sandra, you and I have been together in person. Right. Um, and then Tammy and I were also together at She Recovers um, in New York last year. So I got to spend a little more, bit more time with her there, yeah. too. Can you believe that we all met up at an, um, at an AA convention? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you knew I was going to see you ladies. Yeah, I know. Well, we kind of made love. that our, we kind of made that our own sort of meetup. Yeah. Really. I mean, yeah. you know, we, we, 
And it was an unconventional AA convention, too, we should clarify. What was it, an atheist It was for agnostics. That's right. Yeah, 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 it was for agnostics. So uh, it it was very, I mean, the couple of talks that I went to were very different than... Than many, um, reg, you know, regular twelve-step meetings I'd been to. That's what I thought was really awesome. It was like this backdrop for this reason for all of us to get together because I was doing a short little talk with um, Chris from Sense Right Now, Chris Aguirre. Um, but I just thought it was so cool that everybody joined up and that, that it was our reason to get together, you know, and to, right. and to meet in real life because we hadn't yet, you know, we just kind of been talking online and. Um, was that the first time you and I met, Sandra? I think it was. Yeah, yeah I yeah. want to say so. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, it was great, Lara. And I just, I loved meeting you in person and hanging out with you. And it was so fun with everyone. It just, yeah, the weekend was, was. Awesome. was awesome. I know. I remember I felt so much better after spending that weekend with you guys. Aww. Yeah, it was good to... I think from being online and and being in these groups together, it's one thing to be online and and develop these friendships, but to like see each other in person was just really great. And you were were part of our gratitude circle from the beginning. Is that right, Lara? I can't fully remember. Yes, I was. Yeah. So So it's been a few years of that too. Yep. Oh, well, we're going to have a Lara love fest today is what we're going to (laughs) do. That's what we're going to do. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. Um, so I know you you mentioned the home podcast and Lara, um, I'm sorry, Laura McCowan and Holly Whitaker. And that's where a lot of us met was in that secret Facebook group that um, no longer, um, well, not run by them. It doesn't exist. Um, yeah. But in the podcast has stopped doing new episodes. But you were a guest on that podcast um, on, and it was episode 70. And you really got a chance to tell your story on that. Can you tell us like a little snapshot version of that? And like, if people want to listen to that, they can hear more of your story. But um, what did that feel like to be on that show telling um, your story? And can you share with our listeners? Um, Yeah, I think that was probably the second podcast I had ever done. Um, And of course, it felt extra special because Holly and Laura are both um, huge teachers and angels and just people I really, um, admired and still do admire in a variety of ways. So, um, I mean, it felt really exciting. I was incredibly nervous. Um, but basically I just covered a lot of my story, um, more covering the type of treatment that I received, um, and what I went through to try to get to long-term sobriety because I, uh, was addicted to prescription pills and, um, in quitting prescription pills, I quit alcohol as well. But, um, I, I felt a little nervous and, and saying how I felt here is that I think that my story about prescription pills, is um, definitely worthy of hearing, but I know that a lot of, um, people more identify and, and talk a little bit louder about, uh, their stories with breaking up with alcohol. So I think I feel proud to have the story that I do and to be able to reach the women that I do and to be able to say, um, like there are so many of us, it doesn't matter what we were addicted to or not addicted to. What matters is that we're living lives of freedom and joy and I think we can all find connection in that way and so um I mean it was a really proud moment and there's a a lengthy story in there that if your listeners want to go here they can go there and and I 
and they'll hear much more about the background and the detail behind how I finally found recovery. Right. Because you have a remarkable, like miraculous story, uh, that is definitely, definitely worth hearing. Um, you're like the comeback queen. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. 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 I mean, my addiction took me down super quick and I think I'm lucky for that, but it, I mean, it was psych words, it was institutions, it was homelessness, it was living in my car, it was drug induced psychosis. So, um, it's pretty incredible to see that. I mean, I've been sober for a little, uh, about four and a half years and to look at where I was, about five years ago and to look at where I'm at now, um, it gives me like goosebumps just thinking about it because it is, it is a miraculous story, but I also, I I think it proves that if you're willing to do the work on yourself to grow as a human, then your life can change in the most remarkable of ways. Mm. Definitely. Uh, yeah. So we want to underscore that. And while we would, we would absolutely love to hear that story too, Lara, we also wanted to kind of push off from, from, from there and, and, and have you share, you know, how you came to the decision to quit drinking is a byproduct of that story. I know, but, but could you share a little bit with our listeners, like what that looked like for you, like that decision um, and how, yeah. those are, how those were linked that you knew, like, I can't, it's, it's all got to go. Like, Yeah. Yeah. So obviously, I mean, I, um, definitely drank and I drank, uh, pretty unhealthily and I binge drank and I passed out. Um, and you know, it was a problem for me, but obviously the, the problem that was louder for me was, um, was my drug use. And so, um, in making the decision to stop using pills and other drugs, um, I obviously also made the decision to not use alcohol either. And um, I had this idea that when I stopped using and I stopped drinking that at one point in my recovery, I would one day be able to drink again. Um, and it, and that was kind of like, well, I'm going to wait, you know, five years of, of complete abstinence. And then I'll just start drinking with my family. I'll drink like a normal person. Um, and I started to reframe my thoughts about alcohol. And I started to read a lot more. I read This Naked Mind by Annie Grace, um, all of Holly's work that she does around it. But I realized that regardless of if I could or couldn't drink, drink alcohol. I didn't want to drink alcohol. It was unhealthy. It didn't serve me. And I create, and I had created this life where I was finally present. I was aware of free, right? Right. Yeah. Free. And so, right. So I didn't want to be enslaved by something else. Um, and, and I, and in turn, like everything within regards to my abstinent based recovery, um, that's, where I find like the greatest gifts and the greatest joy and the greatest passion. And I just have no desire to do anything like that, to, to take any type of substance that will change how I feel. Mm-hmm. I have a question for you, Lara. I have, I have other friends that, you know, their primary addictions were drugs. Um, and the reason why they had to quit drinking alcohol was the alcohol was would always bring down their inhibitions or their determinism to to stay away from uh, the harder drugs, and you know, so it only it was like the it would like open the door 
alcohol yeah. would. And so yeah. that was ultimately why they had to give up alcohol as well. Yeah. See, I had never tried to give up one without the other. Right. Um, so I don't really, I, I mean, I definitely can't share that experience, but I know, I imagine that if I was drinking and I had, um, I, and whenever I drink, I lose my inhibitions. Like it would eventually lead me back to mm-hmm. my substance of choice too. And that was kind of the thing that was keeping me away from it in the beginning as well. Same with smoking pot. Um, is that I didn't want to go back to my substance of choice, but now after doing this work, I realize like, I just want this life it's a of freedom purpose. and joy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And, and so when you, when you started, um, when you were on this path, so did you go to NA or did you go to AA or um, how did yeah, you do so it? I, yeah, I went, I actually went to this group in, um, I lived in Dallas when I first got sober and there's a group called Drug Addicts Anonymous and it's actually um, a group that uses the big book and it uses all of mm-hmm. um, the AA language. But it when we, re, when we were, when we read the book, we just exchanged the word alcohol for drugs. And so I found, I had tried NA before, um, but I found that in that group that I felt it worked for me in a way that NA had not worked for me previously. Okay. I hadn't heard of that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I hadn't heard of it when I lived in Los Angeles, but, um, in Dallas, it was actually there's it's international. So it was in Sweden first. And then I think Dallas was the first meeting that they had in the U S. Okay. <clears throat> and so is that the program that you stuck with? Um, it is the program I stuck with for two years until I decided right. to step away from um, 12-step recovery, but yes. And that's where I worked on my steps. That's where I did the work. That's where I... And you had a sponsor and all that. Yeah, yeah. I had a yeah. sponsor. I worked all 12 steps. I was doing a my commitments, speaking to, at treatment centers twice a week. I was going to my home group every week and going to multiple other meetings. So I was really actively, actively involved in that group. And what, what came to pass? I know from knowing you that we, that there was, um, a shift there with your, with your involvement with that. And how did you come to a decision to, to leave AA or to leave this group? Yeah. Um, so when I, when I first started think, um, feeling this way that there was a bigger life for me, um, I also felt like my, the guidance that I would receive would be to pray, um, and to find the answer or like, and I also started wanting to read more self-help books and I was told to not read self-help books that the only book I needed was the big book. And I felt like my growth in my recovery had kind of, it had stolen. Like I was uncovering all these deeper layers and whatever the work I was doing in AA, um, it wasn't moving me forward in the way that I thought I could have been moving forward. I also felt like I wasn't, I didn't decide one day just to give it up. Um, I decided that I didn't want to be, I couldn't commit to the amount of service commitments that I had. And I had spoken with my sponsor about that. And she basically had said that if I couldn't meet them, then she couldn't sponsor me. And so Hmm. she decided not to sponsor me because I had a, I had a full-time job. 
Um, I was in a relationship, like I was spending more time with my family. I had friends. I wanted, I wanted to do more. And I felt like I had, I never had any time because I was constantly doing work, um, in my AA program. And so I thought that, you know, maybe I can give up this one commitment a week and make a little bit more time. And I was met with the um, understanding from my sponsor that I was being selfish and self-reliant and that I wasn't really listening to God if this was what I wanted to do. And so that kind of language from my sponsor, someone who I looked up to deeply, kind of made me think that possibly there's another way. At that time also, though, um, from the beginning of my sobriety, like I, I... I've, and from the beginning of, um, from when I found the internet, I've used the internet like to connect with people. I used to be in like poetry forums when I was a teenager and write with people. And so I always believed and saw the value, um, in truth telling and confessionalism and being honest. And so I started following women when I first got sober, um, who were doing the same. And so I found all these groups and I started to see that there were people who were recovering outside of the only method that I had ever known. And I thought like, well, why, you know, at first it was judgment because I didn't think it was possible to recover without doing AA. Um, and then it was open-mindedness and then it was more understanding. And I just started listening more to their stories. I started listening to the home podcast and I saw that there were other ways to recover. And so I kind of started exploring these different tools that other people were using and they started really helping me. Um, and it just came to a point where I became open-minded, where I started reading more. And so I realized like, hey, maybe I can still use AA as one of my tools um, and then use these other tools as well. So it wasn't like I made the decision one day, hey, I'm just going to leave AA because I did not because I still like even after my one sponsor let me go, I tried to find another sponsor. I tried to keep going to some women's meetings. Um, but eventually, like, I just felt that Although I love so much of the community portion of it, um, and AA helped me in a variety of ways, and I still utilize so much of the principles and practices today, like I just thought, hey, maybe I can be okay and live without AA, and I don't need to keep identifying as a member when it's something that no longer suits me. I think it's something that... me, myself, I grew out of um, and into a life that involves a deeper and a bigger meaning for me. That's so, um, this story is not, um, I mean, you are unique, but this story I don't think is so unique, right, Lara? I think that a lot of people feel that way. And I, and yeah. I think that it's hard to say it or to, to, to put it into words or to do something about it. So I really appreciate you sharing that so that other people can hear this today. Yeah, I think that there there's um, if you get to a place where you feel like you kind of want one foot in and one foot out because you do find other, uh, you know, tools that are that are just as meaningful and helpful to you and your recovery. Um, I think there's a certain well, it depends on what pro, you know, it depends on where you what meetings you go to and who who you're around and who, um, you know, who your sponsor is. Um, if you feel like you can seamlessly do that or do it without um, experiencing guilt, like you're not doing the program right. I mean, I think that there is a way to to encompass all of the tools available um, 
uh, you know, um, without having to completely abandon 12 steps, but I totally understand why you felt like you did, you know, why you felt like that was the best decision for you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just one thing that I want to mention, um, is that for me personally, when I made the decision to step away from the group that I was in, um, and, and try to go out on my own, not even go out on my own, just do, do AA a different way. And it wasn't Mm -hmm. the way that they wanted me to be doing it. They told me I I was going to relapse. They told me I was going to die. That's not helpful. I couldn't trust myself. Like, so it was actually a really traumatizing experience for me. Um, It was deeply, deeply painful. And I like, it almost led me to go drink and use because I was in such a mind. Can you, yeah, you can cuss here, right? Mm -hmm. We can cuss Mm -hmm. here as it was a mind fuck, like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, um, you know, like me wanting to listen to my soul and my heart and, and wanting to trust myself that I knew what was best for me and them telling me that I couldn't trust myself. And so I luckily had people I could reach out to, um, who I knew had either never done AA or who had stepped away from AA. But I think had I not had those people to reach out to, um, it really would have done a number on me. And now that even today, I wrote about this in my last um, blog post on this, but I would love to go back to AA and I would love to still get that community, you know, like step into a meeting every now and again. But because of that traumatizing experience of leaving, the minute I hear certain words about me being selfish or, or powerless or that if I'm not doing it this way, then I'm doing it wrong, like it immediately like I go, I freeze and I just can't take it. It's too anxious and it's too fear ridden for me. And so because I had that traumatic experience leaving it a little bit keeps me away from even wanting to try to go back Mm -hmm. to meetings. Mm -hmm. We we had just interviewed um, Deanna from Austin, Deanna Unlu. And she said this really, really beautiful saying because she was, we were talking about going to AA and taking a break and all that. And she was saying that she felt like um, going to an AA meeting was like child's pose. Like it's always available to you. Like when you take a yoga class, child's pose is where you can return. And that's kind of how she felt AA was for her. Like she could go take a seat. I know that your story is different because of the language and what you're saying is triggering. But I like that idea because I've been feeling that way lately too, having a hard time getting to meetings and I went to one on Sunday, Lara, and, um, you know, there's someone there with a lot of time who is kind of telling everybody else, you know, what's what they should do and how, um, you know, you shouldn't talk about outside books. And when people share that in a meeting, it's wrong. And she was just like saying all the things that are, you know, I'm just sitting there going, closing my eyes and trying to just go, okay, that's her opinion. I I do my own program my way and I, I'm going to, I'm going to not let her get me out of this seat, but it's really hard. It's really, it's a practice, right? That's part of my quote unquote program too, is practicing making, getting my ass in that chair. And even if I just want to figure out what I'm doing there. So I think it's, I know what you did is really hard. Um, And I, and I wish that it could be there for you too, for you to take a seat, you know, someday just to, even just to know that you don't want to be there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like just having yeah. that experience. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like and you, Lara. I have a real I have a real hard time with um the fundamentalist rigidity of of you know how some pe- that some people express 
through 12 steps that it it's super triggering for me because I was raised in a very fundamentalist um, religion that had no rigidity, no flexibility, did not want to hear about any other um, outside religions. And, and I, you know, I feel the same way. The minute I start hearing that kind of language, it's like, you know, either you're in a hundred percent or you're going to hell is what I hear. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I hear because of my upbringing. Um, I have a really hard time with that too. I'm like you, I flee completely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think I found now, um, because I've explored it is that there are all these other types of meetings that I'm more interested. I've gone to some refuge recovery meetings. There's still a meeting in Dallas that I like called artists and recovery that I absolutely love. And I was searching for something like that out here in Tampa. Like there are some more, there's other, there's other places where you can still find communities of sober people. And, and what I experienced in like the, some Buddhist recovery meetings I went to or refuge recovery is like, it's a bit more accepting and it's not telling you this way is the only way. And so for me, like I'm able to sit more at peace and still at least be in this room where I feel um, connected to a deeper purpose mm-hmm. with other sober people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think like like it, a sponsor is so important, and and to have the right one for you, right? Like your your sponsor saying those things that's really harsh and really hard. And um, I, I've been lucky. I have a I have a sponsor that has thirty years, and um, she's old school. Yet she knew I was not old school, and she really did the perfect balance for me to be in and out. She knew I was doing hip sobriety school. She knew I was doing. Uh, writing about uh, my recovery out loud. Um, she, she's, she's rare, <laughs> you know, yeah. because she gives me all of this beautiful wisdom. And then she also just says, but you got to do what you got to do. And I, I'm lucky. I feel, I realize that like just talking to you here, like I'm, I'm really, um, I'm grateful. She lets me go a lot, you know, and she doesn't guilt, yeah. guilt me. Um, but that's an, that's an important relationship in, in, when, when you're working a program. I want to just underscore really quickly because um, hearing this, when you came to meet us at this little convention, right, you you got up and shared there and you did not call yourself an alcoholic and you gave such a powerful share, Lara. And I realized that was like not too long after you've you've made this move, after you've made this decision. Um, how did that feel? Yeah. Um I mean, because it was <laughs> like we already talked about, it it kind of wasn't the typical um, AA meeting or yeah. AA convention or AA group. I mean, it was also talking about digital recovery, like who talks about that um, right. usually. Yeah. But um, I had also, yeah. And so another part of that piece of leaving um, AA was also like the part about not wanting to label myself anymore. I felt like it kept me stuck in the past as opposed to... Um, who I am today. And so it, I mean, that was probably about, I guess it was like six, um, six months after I had left and I had already written a bunch of pieces about like not labeling myself. Um, and so I guess, um, it didn't feel too scary just because of the environment where we were in. Plus all of you ladies were around, but if I had just walked into a, <laughs> a meeting today and didn't really know anyone, like I, I definitely wouldn't have acted as confident as I did in, in that meeting, in that room, in that space. 
Well, it was inspiring to me. So thank you, thank you know, you. and to thank have you. other people hear you and hear, hear how you stood up there and did your share. It was like, oh, I can do that too. And I know that word um, alcoholic is, you know, fully loaded for a lot of people. And I just love that you just, that's why I like meetings. I get to hear people do it differently, you know, yeah. and I know a lot of people do it the same, but the people that do it differently are the ones that I'm listening for. And that kind of, yeah. you know, light me up. So I just, I thought it was incredibly um, brave and really beautiful. And, and it really kind of um, strengthened my resolve to, to try to tell, you know, just my story. That's it. That's all. I, that's all that we're supposed to do, right? Not tell yeah. anybody else's or what, you know, a collective group thinks. It's only what I think. Tell the I story. And I just loved it. I love when you stood up there. You're just such a beautiful soul inside and out. And it was really evident. And um, that's what just kind of galvanized everything, I think, for me with you. Just seeing, see, you. meeting you in person and just seeing you walk the walk and um, not just talking it. Hey, Unruffled listeners, just popping in mid-show to remind you about our Patreon fundraising campaign. Today, we have produced over a year's worth of content and have over a quarter million downloads. We can hardly believe it. If you like what you've been hearing, you can be a patron of this show for as much as you'd like, even if it's just a dollar an episode. To donate, please go to www.patreon.com backslash the Unruffled podcast. Thank you for your continued support of the show. Now back to it. You just recently wrote an article this week, which was so like the perfect timing, um, called <laughs> Two Years After um, Leaving AA, Not Dead, Still Sober. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I yeah. So everybody can read that over on your blog, which we'll share um, the address at the end too, um, which is just LaraFraser.com, right? Yeah, I guess I just okay. shared it here too, but we'll share it again. Um, so I yeah. highly recommend people reading that as well as your other work. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, you know, yeah. I, you know, I think one of the um, probably be the one of the most poignant, beautiful steps of all the steps is the last one, the twelfth step, mm. and um, and it it's uh, it says to carry, carry the message, which I think you do. And you, you, you do beautifully. And I think it's, it's, we get to carry the message, um, because we've received the gift of recovery. We get to carry the message. And so you do that. You do that every day. You do that in the work that you do now is your job. And you do that on social media and you do that through your blog and, um, so, you know, it's, it's, uh, I was told in the very beginning that, that, that AA was a program for living and, and that's what you're doing. You're living it. Yeah. Thank you. And I was, um, thank you for pointing that out. It was conflicting for me too. Um, and still sometimes is when I hear from people, um, who I used to know who are still, members of the AA program that I was in, um, is that my service isn't just who I sponsor, who I walk through the steps, where I go like to treatment centers and share about the steps. Like my service is in my everyday life and it's what I do for other people 
daily and it doesn't matter if it revol- like if it involves a fellowship or not. If I'm able to help other people by sharing my story, by responding to messages, by responding to emails, by um, putting away my grocery cart like after I'm done shopping, like I am I'm I'm still doing service and that's still one of the biggest foundations for my recovery and it's the reason that I uh, that I'm still continuing to grow and grow and grow because I focus on helping other people and it may look different than what it used to. Um, but, and I think you ladies do the same too, but it's still, it's still helping other people. Well, exactly. It's the, it's the carry the message, right. But it's also the, I think the 12 step is, um, and practice these principles in all of my affairs. And that is a really important part of like what you're doing. I've been focusing on the 12 step a lot on the last few weeks and reading and I was listening to these old, I've never done this before, but uh, 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 another sober friend gave me some um, CDs to listen to in my car of Bill Wilson and I've never listened to anything by Bill Wilson. And I'm going to read this quote. I shared it yesterday on Instagram, but I think it's, it's so powerful, I think, because it's his words, you know, the founder of AA. And he said, um, Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of our program, but please never, if you can, allow it to come between you and your ability to help another human being. Don't be too anonymous. And when I heard him say that from his mouth, it was a recording from 1950, I just wrote it down and it was like where I've been conflicted or where I've been just doubting that um, that the work that I'm doing is 12-step work, it just really... I don't know, just did something about hearing it from him. I'm like, I, I think he, I think he, if he was around in these modern times, you know, it would be way different. Um, but I don't need to get into dissecting AA. But yeah. I loved hearing that yesterday. And I love it just helped. It did something to my backbone. It just kind of, you know, I stood up a little straighter. I'm like, okay, yes, I can do the 12 <laughs> step how I need to do the 12 step. And it doesn't yeah. have to be yeah. by um, spreading myself thin and sponsoring a, a million women. You know what I mean? That That's not the only way to do the 12th step. Mm-hmm. So I understand um, you being overcommitted in things because that can be a thing that happens in AA for sure. I'm glad, I'm glad you, you, you stood up for yourself, Lara, and did what you needed. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, I appreciate that. And, and honestly, um, based on that article that I, I just put out about leaving AA and I'm still sober, like I had so many, I don't know, probably a hundred private messages and then like 300 comments and just from people who are like, thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you for telling your story. Thank you for telling your truth because there's so many people who won't talk about that. Um, and Mm -hmm. so people don't realize that if it feels okay, if it's what's right for you and you feel that's the path you want to take and you want to step away from AA, like you can remain sober and you can still like have this beautiful life where you continue to grow and where you continue to be of service and where you continue to use everything you learned um, from the foundation of AA in your life and you can integrate that however you like. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I can see why people don't talk about it that much, right? I mean, yeah. I'm sure you can too, Lara, you know, because it is polarizing. It's a very polarizing conversation and polarizing conversations are, are controversial. And, um, it's, it's takes a brave person to be controversial. Right. Um, and you know, I think, uh, 
I mean, I don't talk about it that much because, you know, I have to step back and think, okay, what is my primary purpose? You know, I want to be of service. Um, and for me, being of service means that I, you know, don't choose, always choose the controversial topics. Yeah. And um, so it's, 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 you know, it's definitely a brave thing to, to tell your story and to own your story. And um, I certainly, I, I'm really proud of you. And I, I think, uh, you know, the fact that so many, you had so many people speak up and identify with your story, I think, you know, validates it for sure. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. And, and, and I think that something to, to underscore here is that you are credible as well because for me, and I don't, this is only me speaking here, because you've worked the steps, Lara, that you can yeah. have this full, not that someone can't have an opinion that hasn't done it, but if someone tells me I don't do AA or it doesn't work for me and they haven't worked the steps or they didn't get a sponsor, they haven't, you know what I mean? Or you they've never tried. They've never even tried it. I have a harder time listening yeah. to that. I have a yeah. harder time. Yeah. Going, but did you, cause, because what you said, like you've taken all of this and trans and then you can, these principles are in your life, right? So you can never not know them. Um, and I think that sometimes, which I have a hard time even articulating it, like without sounding like, well, you gotta do this, but it really, the magic is in the steps. I don't think the magic's in the meetings. Um, there can be, but I think like what I learned or, or the, how I got on this path to even go figure out other spiritual pathways were by doing the 12. And so I really honor the 12 steps and that they, I like I had to make a 10th step to my son the other day and I needed to, I actually needed to make a 10th step to a sponsee the other day because I said something flippant and I needed to kind of rectify it, but I now know what to do. And so I, I think yeah. your story to me is it blooms so big because I feel like, You've, like I said, you've walked the walk. So I, I really listen to what you have to say and you have a lot of credibility with me. And I just, um, I think our listeners are really going to appreciate hearing this from you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I, I think, and I, and I get that. Um, I think I've, I've heard you maybe mention this before is that there are people who discredit AA and say negative things about AA yet they've gone to Either they've never gone, they've listened to what other people said, um, they've gone to a few meetings and it wasn't for them. Um, but obviously, you do know that I've done I've done all the work and I've laughed. Yeah. But I but I but like and and there were people who wrote to me. I mean, there were very few negative comments, but a lot of people wanted me to like stay neutral because what if my post pushed people away from AA? But I also um, and I and I get that, but I also want people to know like. There are so many people who have been pushed out of the rooms of AA and been told like, well, you're not doing it right. You know, you got to do this. You got to do that. And they have so many people like just getting down on them that they don't they don't want to go back there. And I've um, someone wrote to me how their brother, like a friend of theirs, their uh, friend's brother had been pushed out of the rooms of AA because the brooms that he went into, they didn't think he was doing it right. Mm -hmm. And so he couldn't, and he didn't know there were other ways to recover. He didn't know there were other paths. And so he left and he ended up passing away from his addiction. But it's like, I also want people to know, you know, like even 
even if you've gone to AA and you haven't done all all the work and done all the steps, like it's still okay to have that moment where you just say like, I, I, this isn't for me and I need to explore an avenue that really is for me because today I think there are a lot more paths and tools and people talking about ways to recover, um, outside of the traditional one way that we had always been taught. Absolutely. I, um, I just got together with a bunch of gals from, um, Holly's hip sobriety school. And, um, you know, they were inquisitive to ask me questions and I shared some things about AA, but then I was inquisitive to ask them like, you know, why it didn't work. And, and they, that's just not their path. Right. So that's just, I don't, yeah. I don't mean to see like, that's the only way that sounds for me, I can identify and hear, I can hear it a, a little because, because that's been my experience. Right. I only yeah. have my experience of what worked. Um, but I, by no means just do AA, um, I just went to a refuge and got a lot of benefit out of it and been hanging out with some gals yeah. that are teaching me a ton of stuff from there. Um, but I, I, the fact that we're having this conversation and that the, um, I didn't know when I quit drinking, there were all these other things. Right. And it's yeah. only from like following people that do it differently or that, that were outside the rooms that I go, Oh, I, I don't even, I still kind of don't know what a smart meeting is, but I know that there is one. And that if I wanted to explore it, I could, you know, I could get online and do that. So, Oh, well, thank you for that, Lara. That's important. And I, and I hope that, um, I hope that you just keep doing what you, what resonates with you. Yeah. And I also, Tammy, I, I think, um, what you do because you do, I mean, you had that entire series on your site where you, um, wrote about, well, was that on, uh, was that on since right now, the step series that you did? Yeah. Or did you do that on? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So you did that too. But I, I've also noticed that by you talking more about how like, Hey, listen, I, you know, AA is one piece. Here's, here's is what else I do. Like I've seen a lot of women be gravitated and pulled towards AA because of you talking about how, listen, like you don't have to do it this one way. There's no perfect way to do AA. This is how I do AA. Look at all the other things I'm doing too. And you can utilize it as another tool um, to gain more freedom and to gain more self-awareness. Like I've seen women become more attracted to AA because of that. And so I, I really do appreciate that message that you provide because I think it's a unique one. And I think it's not, it's not the most widely popular one that there are, that you can do so many different, you know, so follow so many different modalities, um, and still use AA as part of your program. Hey, Lara, I'm curious. I know you work at a, what is the language of the, the place that you work? Is it, you, you call it a detox or a rehab or is it both? Um, yeah, it's a, a detox and residential treatment facility. Okay. Got it. Got it's, it yeah. And we focus on like a holistic, um, 12 step alternative, um, type of program. So, how, so when somebody comes to you and says, how do I get sober? What, how, what do you recommend? I mean, what do you, what do you tell people? Yeah, that's, oh God, I love that question. I usually direct them to resources that I know could help them. Like there's, um, Sarah, um, Robert's website, sobriety starts here.com, which has like so many, you guys have both been on it, but mm -hmm. there's so many different courses and offerings and stories and books. Like, I think that's a really good place like to start looking. Um, I still advise them like to check out meetings. I tell them about AA. I tell them about refuge recovery, like smart recovery. A lot of the problem is that, uh, is that 
obviously free and um, widely spread. And in like small towns, there's usually um, majority is 12 step. You can't necessarily find some of the other pathways and modalities in smaller communities. But I, I tell them about in the rooms that there's online meetings. Um, I point them to blog articles. Olivia Pinnell recently came, like she updated her website recently, livesrecoverykitchen.com. And she has like all these various um, pathways and modalities. And so I just try to point people to information so that they can choose like, here, like, here's this information that you have and there, and there's so many paths to take. And like, I point them to writers and such, but I don't say like, this is, this is how I did it. And so that's how you're going to do it because I don't think that's the truth anymore. But do you, would you say that like an important thread is community or, you know, some kind of a, a program, even if it's a get up and go for a run every morning, or do yeah. yoga every morning program. It's like there has to be uh, – it seems like in the beginning there has to be some kind of routine, right? Some sort of regimented thing that you do every day instead of going to the liquor store or instead of going to, you know, um, instead of, you know, go, doing the same thing that you've always done. It's like – you have, there's something, you know, if it's not a 12 step meeting, there's just, it seems like, um, when I have this conversation or when I start thinking about it, because I didn't do AA in the beginning either. And I, you know, have kind of stepped away from it as well, but, um, but I had to have something that I had to do every day that replaced my, my old habit. It was, um, it was almost like a habit replacement, um, yeah. cognitive therapy, I guess is what that's yeah. like yeah. called psychotherapy. Well, in, in hip sobriety school, I remember one of the, the, the main things that I still do today is, um, a morning routine. Like, so even just having a morning routine, if you just can start there and, and it doesn't have to be complicated, right. It could be just, I think Holly, I, all I really remember from that was like hot lemon water and meditating or closing your eyes or, you know, just sitting for a minute. Um, But at the very, um, I know, Sandra, you've shared that, like, Krista Tippett got you sober on the On Being podcast, right? Like, you would walk and listen to it. But I would walk, too. And that was, you know, that was what I did um, sort of in that kind of witching hour, you know, three, four, five o'clock. When I would start drinking, I would, I, I had to replace actually replace one behavior with another. And, and, you know, that, that's what, and then that led me to other things, but it was like, I could have been in the research mode, you know, forever. Yeah. Like I'm going to read another article about how to get sober, you know, but you actually have to take some kind of action, right? It's like those things have to go together. And then of course, community is important too. So there's almost like a three, a three, there's like three components to it, I think. Le- you know, researcher, learning, action, and community. Yeah. However you do those things. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I get that too because, I I mean, I still have people who reach out to me who um, who I know like um, from in real life who don't have an – I mean – haven't even tried AA, um, but they keep drinking and 
they're not really like replace like yes they read you know they read all the they read memoirs and stuff like that but you're right it does take some sort of action um and retraining your brain to get out of the habit that you've been in for however long you've been in it there was a there was a gal at a meeting recently that was t- there you know the topic was i think willingness and they were talking talking about being open minded and being willing like you, you know that's great to be open minded and willing but you also have to be ready and she was saying like i could be willing to go you know to the south of france i'm willing to go there but am i really going to do it no nah, probably not there was this component that I feel like there's like this readiness component. So yeah, I think when we're researching or we're kind of exploring, I think that's the action you're talking about, Sandra, like, but you have to be ready to take that next step. And now with all of these things that we can Google, right, (laughs) and figure out a way to, to, to find what works for us, like, I think that's really empowering for women, and for all people recovering, right, that you can try to dabble, but you can only dabble you know, for so long, sometimes for like, for me, it was like a year of just kind of thinking, (laughs) right, lurking, (laughs) reading, researching, thinking about it. Yeah, which is, those are all very important. And they, you know, and those might that it takes what it takes, you know, and, and, but yeah, eventually you do have to, there is some, there's an action component. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I want to kind of glad shift. we figured that out. Yeah, I'm glad we, we solved it, it all. <laughs> Dude, we got it all figured out. Yeah, we just mm-hmm. wrote our own program. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, no. Um, so, <laughs> so something that I um, I wanted to kind of shift gears here. But when when I first met you, Lara, you were writing a lot of poetry, and I know that that's been um, you know we talk about creativity on this podcast, um, or we try to get to creativity. On this this podcast. Um, but that was really, it seemed like a tool for you too. Um, has that always been an outlet for you? Poetry, creative outlet? Yeah, it's definitely been my, it's always been a creative outlet. Um, it's always been the thing I turn to when I'm usually more, um, having a hard time in my life in pain, heartbroken, like, um, I don't know, had just like I found, I found poetry, um, at, in middle school as, and, um, high school. And that's when I really like started writing my own poetry, um, and being encouraged to continue to write. I think that, and so when, and, and also like it throughout my addiction, um, the only, like, honestly, the only thing I did all day besides being insane, um, was read poetry books and, and try to write it. Um, and I actually like lost so much of that poetry, all that poetry had written my addiction that I, act, I, I really wish I still had. Um, but when I was trying to get, so when I was working on getting sober this last time, I remember sitting in my room, um, in sober living and writing, uh, a lot of poetry and just remembering like what it's like to do the thing that lights you up and makes you feel like you're on fire and that you really enjoy. And I, um, I also know I was writing it more, Tammy, probably during the period of time that you're talking about is because my boyfriend, a long-term boyfriend of mine had broken up with me. So that helped me like cope and deal with it. Mm. But I, it's, it's also now even become, 
because poetry is like writing about subjects that I enjoy writing about. And when I write things for like my blog or about sobriety or recovery, I actually, I get a lot of the same feelings when it's just nothing that I have to write for anyone else. I'm not being paid for the work. I have no structure. Um, I just get to write from my heart like that. Those are moments where I feel most alive. Um, and I actually haven't like been reading as much poetry as I used to, or even really writing much poetry. I think I get sidetracked because of like Instagram poetry where it's like you have to write five lines and they, and that's poetry and my poetry is much longer and I'm like ah what's the point of even trying anymore I'm, I'm not going to sell a book of poetry so um I don't know but yes poetry is <laughs> always been that sorry that was a really long explanation no but it's always there but just writing right just having a creative yeah. outlet I guess I guess that's where I was going I was I was going to say like you know you started filling the void probably with writing and and, um, and especially, um, well, I shouldn't assume what you did fill the void with. What did you fill that void with when you stopped, <laughs> when you stopped, let, let me ask a question, like a person that's interviewing instead of knowing all the answers. Um, what did you fill the void with? Like, well, writing was with? definitely one of them. Okay, for good. Sure. I was right. Okay, good. Yes, you were right. <laughs> um, and so honestly, in the beginning, <laughs> I, um, I was in a structured sober living for a year and I was also in that, um, AA program. Um, and I was required to work like 35 hours per week. So like a lot of maybe what I want would have wanted to do, I didn't necessarily get to do because I had like so much structure around me, which is actually really, really helpful for me, but I don't think I would have chosen to do a lot of the things I was doing. Um, but it's still, it, it still helped me in some way. So Today, um, I think more of what lights me up besides writing, reading, um, is being outdoors, hiking, movement, uh, lifting weights, strength training, um, sweating, being with my pig peaches and playing (laughs) with her and cuddling with her, spending time with my family, um, being with my boyfriend, like being with friends. Um, and, and also like this, like marketing and advertising has also been something that I've deeply, like I've loved. Um, I really have actually loved that. So a lot of the work that I get to do, um, in real life and in regards to like my own Instagram and, and Facebook and blog, like has to do with studying, strategies for marketing and looking at like what type of content works what type of content doesn't work like all these little pieces that are integrated that that do light me up you have an mba right i do have an mba yeah you're smarty pants thanks (laughs) (laughs) so when i wanted to so i i I know my structure here when you you got sober was that in in and Southern California is where you got sober, yes? And then you moved to Texas? Oh, wait, Lara, I lost you there. Are you there? Are you guys here? Oh, there, Hello. You, there you are. Hi. We got okay, I'm that. sorry. PJ broke down the door. She, <laughs> she, she heard me talking about it. She, um, want, she wants in. <laughs> <laughs> okay, should I go back to the question? Yeah, so just when you... When you um, you, you got sober in Southern California. I got correct? sober. Well, I tried to get sober in Southern California, but this last time I actually got sober in Dallas. Okay. In Dallas. And then 
you got sober in Dallas, and then what took you to Florida? Um, what took me to Florida was the job opportunity. Um, I work for a, um, as Sandra already said, a holistic and residential treatment facility. And so they had found me via Indeed um, and offered me this role. And at that time, I think some both of you know that I kind of had bad experiences within um, working in treatment and then also uh, working even in some realm in the treatment industry, working for a digital publication that I worked for. Um, but so I, I came because this program was holistic. Um, it was different. It was unique and it was in my belief system and I liked what they were doing. And so I moved out here. Um, I was actually only going to move out here for three months and then return and work from uh, remotely in Texas. But I started, uh, I really liked the work that I was doing. I liked being close to the ocean. I, um, there's a lot more like adventure outdoorsy stuff that I was doing out here. And then also Austin, who I met out here in Florida, my boyfriend now, um, and that was uh, probably still the too. deal, right? That yeah. yeah. Like, really? Yeah. I mean, you might as well yeah. not around the bush there. I'm sure that just totally sealed the deal. It sealed, it, yeah. sealed, it sealed the deal for me, for you guys. I was like, oh, and yeah. look it. This is how yeah. what was supposed to happen. <laughs> this was supposed to happen. You met him shortly after moving there, right? Yeah, I did, yeah. I I knew him through via, like, Instagram and Facebook. Um, had talked to him, like, briefly just about uh, – I don't know, treatment industry stuff, um, because he founded like Sober Evolution, which is like a large Instagram community. He was selling t-shirts. Um, he does personal recovery, life coaching too. And so I had actually reached out to him. Um, well, the first time I, I, it's a funny story. Um, the first time I saw his picture was like a week after, um, my, my boyfriend had broken up with me, this previous boyfriend that I had, who I was with for about two years. Um, and I was, and so I was living with one of our, um, ladies from our, from our original home group, Sarah Damon in, Te- in Dallas. And I had right. showed her this picture. I'm like, Oh, I hope he, I hope he, you know, messages me or writes me and it never happened. But then, <laughs> but then like a year later, um, I was reaching out to him because I wanted to, I wanted to utilize him in our marketing plans. And so we ended up, um, we were supposed to meet up for like coffee, but then we ended up meeting up, meeting up for, um, sushi and, a day so of, then you were utilizing him for a different plan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Then I, yeah, yeah. The first, the first thing. I mean, obviously, I think he's incredibly handsome. But I also had a, a preconceived notion because I thought he was so, so handsome that he was going to be an asshole and a dick and um, very vain and egotistical and all this stuff. And he's actually like the most um, genuine, sweet, kind soul hmm. that one of them that I've, that I've ever known. Yeah. Well, and you, what a good match because you are beautiful and <laughs> sweet and, and a, and a sweet, kind soul. So yeah. thank you. Wow. And so then that sealed the deal for Florida. Yeah, that was definitely the reason I decided to stay. Aww. And you yeah. guys live together now with peaches. You guys 
podcast. We do live together with Peaches. We've been, I guess now we've been together, um, obviously over a year and, um, he moved, I don't recommend this, but we moved in together rather quickly and Peaches has now fallen in love with him too. So <laughs> I was going to ask how that transition was. Cause... Yeah. It took like 11 months for that to happen, but <laughs> Peaches doesn't welcome people very well into, right. into the family. Right. Peaches yeah. has boundaries, very <laughs> solid boundaries. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, so yeah. recently you and Austin um, put an event together, right? I'm sure that was with your marketing expertise as well um, in Florida, like a sober meetup. Can you, can you tell us yeah. more about that or how that went? Yeah. Um, so we, well, I had done a few like, uh, female meetups out here. Um, but Austin wanted to play on like a larger event. Um, he wanted it to be like, um, just to show that recovery is cool. It's fun. Like, um, that if you're in recovery, you're not boring. I think like a lot of the people that he speaks with and reach out, um, ask like, Hey, what can I, you know, what can I do now that I'm in recovery, like outside of meetings and bowling, what do we do? And so he wanted just to put together an event to kind of, um, break the stigma about recovery. I think he used Amy Dressner's quote, which is like, you can't break the the stigma of addiction until you break the stigma of recovery. So that was kind of like his, his Mm -hmm. guiding principles. Um, and yeah, I mean, honestly, Austin did the majority of the, of the work for the event because I, I have a full-time job, so I didn't have as much time to help, um, with all the details, but we, I mean, basically it was just an event at an art studio in St. Pete, um, called the Raw Studios. This woman, um, owns the studio. She's an artist and she has been putting, I, I mean, she hosts tons of events, but she's also a woman who is alcohol free. And so part of her goal for the studio was to have alcohol free events. And so someone in the community matched them up and Austin met with her and, and we decided to have it there. And there was like a big game, game of Jenga and cornhole. And we did like, um, like 10 minute speeches. We had a a singer songwriter come out and play, uh, play some tunes. And it was just like a huge group of people, um, just coming together. And it was like all ages, all different types of recovery methods. Some people in AA, some people not in AA. Like we had some people show up who were like, Oh, I found, I was Googling, you know, sober, what to do is sober. And I found you guys and I just came. And so it was really cool. It was like a really, really awesome event. We were really, really proud of it. Um, we had, uh, well, smoothies, I, we want smoothies, mocktails, we had them. Um, and, um, yeah, it was, it was awesome. Actually, the it was space like, was so cool that you guys yeah, secured for totally that. Yeah. yeah. Made for some good pictures. <laughs> yes, it did. Yeah. So we want to plan more of those and we're hoping, and we're hoping to plan it a lot more. Um, we are trying, we're planning another one here in St. Pete, just because it's easier for us again in November. And, but we're looking at, um, obviously Dallas cause that's mm-hmm. where my family is. Um, and then possibly Southern California and Atlanta. And so those are some places like we're working, we have to get sponsorships in order to do the event because we didn't like Austin didn't make any money from doing the event. He just wanted to put the event on. And so in order to like, even be able to purchase the space and, um, to get like 
you know, the amount of the mocktails and um, everything like that. We have to have sponsorship. So we're working on that stuff too. We need to figure out how to get Topo Chico to start sponsoring our events. (laughs) Well, Lara, Lara, I was chatting with them and they will sponsor physical events, Topo Chico. So if you put in a a request form, they will, they're like, how much do you need? So they'll physically donate product. Um, For us, they weren't ready to sponsor an awesome podcast like ours yet. Um, Not, Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. But if we had a physical event, they would donate product. So they're oh, cool. definitely one to check. They seemed game okay. and they got back to me like right away. Like they did oh, not awesome. delay. So if you, if. Well, I, yeah, I hadn't done my, I hadn't done my due diligence in really trying to find sponsors, like the sponsors that we've had come to us. So if I didn't yeah. put some work into it, I think we would be doing better off. <laughs> right. Um, in your spare time, why don't you do that? Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, but Clean Cause actually did send us um, donations for drinks, so I oh, so that was really cool of them. Nice. What was it, co- what was you it have called? A relation Clean Cause. Clean They're cause. based in Texas, and they yeah. do like um, uh, herb, how do you pronounce that? Herbamate? Is that how you say it? Yerba mate. Yerba mate. Yerba mate. That and like um, organic energy drinks and mm-hmm. and um, just bottled water that they oh. send. That's nice. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, good. Well, I was going to, um, I know you just touched on it for, and then we, we talked about Austin's event, but um, how community, we've been talking about building community and doing meetups. So you're doing some alcohol free events with ladies in, in, in Florida. Did you do a few of those? Yeah, I only had two, um, two and then I've been doing a lot more one on like one-on-one um, yeah. just lunches and coffee and stuff like that. Um how far yeah. is Kelly Fitzgerald from you? She's about two hours away. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we see, I mean, we try to see each other um, like at quarterly. She came to that sober AF event. Um, but yeah, so there wasn't really a format to mine, but I did suggest, Tammy, recently the um, tea and toolbox thing that you were doing um, to the group. So I just have to get around um, to putting that together, too. Yeah, it's it's been good. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, how's that going? Um, it's going great. So we figured out, I mean, for us, we started out with like four gals and we'd have tea. But we invited four more gals in that I met at an event from Jolene Park. Um, had an event and, and I met them there. And so then it bloomed to like eight women. But we were meeting in public and it was too hard to share and it was the things we wanted to share or talk about really couldn't be done out in public um, at a tea house. You know what I mean? So we've started to have them at our homes and um, everybody brings a snack or not. There's no pressure. Like last week I brought like a bag of chips. Um, So there's no like something that you have to do. That's just this other thing, uh, pressure or anything. And it's been great. So we, we go around in a circle and share our quote unquote tool. Right. So whatever that is that week and then um, it blooms into more than that. We're sharing more than just the tool. And they've been lasting about a couple of hours. And then after the meetup, we um, I'll start an email chain and we each kind of share what our tool was in an email chain. Um, links to articles, a YouTube video, um, something, somebody, a book, like whatever it is. And then everybody can go kind of check it out if they want to. And that's it. 
That's you awesome. Yeah. 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 That's real simple. I mean, and anybody can do it any way that they want to. Somebody asked, like, is that trademarked or is that a thing that only you can do? I'm like, oh, no, please. <laughs> I don't want one more thing to do. Please take it, do it, make it, whatever. So we're having, like, fizzy water, tea, or we call it tea and toolboxes. But, I mean, it's, like, whatever. Awesome. And it's just casual. Yeah. So it's been good. Um, let's see. Uh, there was something else I wanted to, en- to end with. Um, I've lost it. Okay. Where should we go from here, Sandra? I don't, I just love everything you're doing, Lara. Is there anything you want to share about your, um, the, the place that you work? Spring Gardens, right? Yeah. Spring Gardens Detox. Um, you have, you, you manage the Instagram page uh, or the Instagram account for that? Yeah, I do help with that. You're so good at that. Yeah. Thank you. Are yeah. You, are you going to She Recovers with work stuff or are you going for to She Recovers for personal stuff? Like just um well both, but okay. our but we're but Spring Gardens is sponsoring or not sponsoring. We're we're gonna have a booth at the event. So I get to go I get to go for both. I get to um talk about what we do at Spring Gardens and then I also get to connect with all my lady friends. Oh I can't wait. Can't yes. wait. It's gonna be good. It's going to be good. Um, okay, so I think we're just at this point of the program where we would ask you to share maybe three things that are in your sobriety toolbox. Yes. Or, or, or unruffled toolbox or creative toolbox. I, I'm, I think I've forgotten how we do our show, Sandra. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great segue. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> I'm going to let you talk right now, Sandra. <laughs> Do you have three items to share with us today? <laughs> Speaking of toolboxes, Lyra. Yes, um, I do. So one one of them is it is it creative or sobriety or can I intertwine them? Both can be ever, okay. Okay, Tammy, you got me all confused. With no, all yeah, you. I meant to. I meant to. <laughs> okay. No, it's all. It's anything that's like helping you that you're into or you're digging right now. But okay. I didn't, I didn't uh, say that very well. <laughs> yeah, one thing I'm digging and I'm probably late to the game um, in is Macklemore um, because I've, you know, I've talked about like I've been more involved in like moving my body and going to the gym, and I've just been like totally listening to his music and his and everything he sings about sobriety, and then I play Eminem with that, and I have my little like sobriety playlist while I'm at the gym and I. All pumped, so I've been loving that lately. Um, and That's also, in, yeah, and in my and like Glorious, um, is really pumping it's me up. So good, right? Yeah. I know. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, um, so, so, Lara, do you know that we we kind of were hoping he was going to come on the show? Did you hear about that? No, we got kind of close, mm-hmm. but Ooh. yeah, yeah, I still I think it's going to happen. That. It's going to happen. Yeah, once that will happen. Great. It's well, he's doing. I think it could, and he's he's putting on um, the first. I don't know one some recovery concert in Rhode Island. I know. Uh, it September, seems like it's right really right after she recovers. It I think is. It's like the next weekend or something. It yeah. Is. Yeah. Um, I'll keep bugging him. I'll, I'll send another would... pitch because we we didn't have as many downloads. Like they were asking us his um, his friend Ryan. Not not Ryan Lewis, but there's another Ryan that's his right hand guy 
Uh, oh, must not be him. Mm, no. no, it was like his. <laughs> it was like his guy, you know, oh, okay. manager or whatever. I'm lying. It's it's Ben. It's Ben Secord. Ben. But, <laughs> got it right. Mm-hmm. But Ben was like, so you need to send some numbers over and how many downloads and on like who your audience is. And so I did all of that, and it was meager at the time. Um, not that it wasn't meager to us, but to them, you know. And he's like, I'll forward this to our PR person, and then it just the communication stopped. So I will, I will do it again. I will, I will submit a pitch again now that we have so many downloads and yeah, that's better. awesome. But I think he would be great to have on the show. So oh my God, I, I like that, that he's one of yours and one in your toolbox. I like that. He, no, he really has been. Yeah. Um, and I've always been a huge fan of Eminem. So, and mm-hmm. so anyway, I mix them together. Um, uh, the other thing is what actually Miss. Tammy had taught me um, is I've is the Elena Brower ritual of recovery spoken word poem. Mm. Um, I've been listening to that like at my cool down period when I'm stretching and then I do a little like quiet try to do a little quiet meditation with it too and then I listen to it in my bath and um, that's I don't know why but it's moving me and like in such good ways like just allowing me um to see my life, um, and in a different way and live, think of bigger dreams that I could accomplish. So that's been really cool for me. And I, and I really love spoken word poetry. Um, so let's see. And then the last thing, um, I would say is really, I mean, it's still going to have to be like, just my, like, my social media, my Instagram feed, because I do like a lot of stuff that I think everyone already um, may know about or knows and does too. But one thing that really helps me is because I like, I follow people who are sober in recovery, like every single day, I just get another breath of recovery. And I keep reinforcing um, this idea of what a great gift recovery is. And I think that's one thing that actually really helps me that I didn't realize it helped me, but it's kind of like um, CBT where you're just changing your thought process thought process and so that's something that's been helping me a lot too oh that's a good one yeah it kind of slowly infiltrates right um yeah and it's like this infusion every day that we get yeah i like that um well i'll I'll add a link um about the ritual of recovery because that has been a powerful um i think you and i were chatting yesterday and then we were talking i was trying to listen to it for 40 days and at first i wanted it to be 40 consecutive days because i'm a virgo but i decided to give myself a break and just listen to it 40 times this summer and so i think i'm on like 24 um and every time i listen to it i get something different from it and her words just kind of have seeped in and um you know, I just, I love, I love that piece. And it's like 12 minutes long. It's not terribly long. And um, yeah. it's a good way for me to start my day when I add that into my morning routine is when I do that. I really like that. Oh, well, Lara, thank you. Yes, Lara, thank you. Hey, can you remind our listeners your website and then your, um, your IG, your Instagram uh, Yes, handle. I can. My website is com, and then my Instagram handle is Silly Lara. That's right. And I wanted to, to share, um, share with the listeners, too, that you were my second. You were so sweet to agree to be my second Ray of Light interview. 
over on my website when I did that series in 2017. And you said yes, even before I knew what I was doing, really. So thank you for being my... um, my um, willing participant in that endeavor. Sandra, you, you. You, were, you were one of mine too, Sandra. You gals really helped me in the beginning. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you both for everything you two do to, I mean, the service that you're doing, the 12 step that you're doing right now, like everything you guys do for other women and to, um, to promote creativity and creating lives you don't escape from. I really, really do appreciate the both of you. Thanks, Lyra. Same. Have a beautiful day, Lara. All right. Love you, ladies. Love you. Bye. 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 The Unruffled Podcast was created and produced by Sandra Primo and Tammy Salas. Our show is edited and mixed by Steve Hecht. Original music composed and performed by Caitlin Schumacher. Original artwork created by Tammy with the help of graphic designers Chris Aguirre and Amy Lanier. Thanks for listening.